Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with loads in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, it's the first from our House of Grind as Robert Rodriguez brings the gore and goo to small town Texas as he ticks his own personal 70s exploitation box with a zombie horde and a go-go dancer with a machine gun for a leg from 2010. It's Planet Terror. While in the blue corner, it's Quentin's turn to pay homage to the Grindhouse legacy as he terrorises some young girls with Kurt Russell's maniacal stuntman Mike and his almost indestructible automobile. Want to see a face shredded off by a tyre? You're in luck. From 2010, it's death proof. They're stealing biochemical weapons. When the laws of science are broken, the last hope for humanity rests in the hands of a few. Doc Block, his prescription, pain. We're gonna lose the arm, Joe. What do you mean, lose arm? My arm? Dakota, one hot mama who knows the score. If anyone comes to the door, I want you to shoot them. Love his dad. Hello, baby. Especially if it's your dad. You've been following us. You saw my car, I saw your legs. Now look, I ain't stalking y'all, but I didn't say it wasn't a wolf. He's got charm. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, you're a chariot of wheat. So it's a grindhouse grapple this week, but which film is better? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I'm going to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. And we are joined this week for this Grindhouse Double by the oracle of movie knowledge, film journalist and author, Kim Taylor Foster. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you back. It's great to have you back. So, uh, let's catch up. So, last time you were in, we were doing The Matrix and you'd just written your book. Yeah. What We Love About The Matrix. Yeah. And since then, you've got another one. Oh, uh, yeah. I've written Why We Love Die Hard. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's great. And it's out, and, uh, and uh, I'm getting lots of lovely messages from it. I'm, I'm, I'm still talking about it, actually. I'm going, going on another podcast soon uh, to talk about it again. So Yeah, you couldn't come on our Die Hard episode because you hadn't written it yet. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it was Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon. Uh, how, how, how do you feel about that, uh, that versus battle? 
Uh, well, you know, I love both films, uh, and I wrote a little bit about Lethal Weapon in the Die Hard book because of their links. Mm. But um, but Die Hard wins for me. Which one? <laughs> die Hard. Die hard. Not, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, not a problem. <laughs> uh, but it is. If you are a Die Hard fan, what we love about Die Hard, you should check out Kim's book. It's absolutely brilliant. Now it is lovely to have you back on the show. I believe when this pairing was suggested via Messenger. WhatsApp, something like that, to you, you went, yes, exclamation mark. <laughs> Actually, I think it was OMG, yes. <laughs> so you're excited about this pair. I am, yeah. I love both. Uh, no spoilers. I'm not going to tell you which I love best yet. Mm. But we're going to explore that, aren't we? We are. That's the plan. That is. That's the concept. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> that is how it works. Right, then, this is part one of Planet Terror versus Death Proof. If you are new to the show, this is how it works. We'll be doing Planet Terror today and Death Proof on Thursday, at which point we'll declare which is definitively the better film. So the clue Chris gave on last week's show was... These films really grind my gears. They grind his gears. They grind my <laughs> gears. Yeah. A lot of suggestions for Baby Driver versus Drive, uh, which it's not. No. Um, Someone suggested a Richard Gear double bill. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, mm. it does. It does work. It does work. Uh, but you followed it up on Twitter with? Uh, oh, it was. Well, everyone already got it by that point, so it didn't really matter what I put. Um, I wrote something like, uh, these films share actors and characters. And characters, yeah. Yeah, mm. right. Well, the guessers were found exploiting our Twitter account where we are at Clashbot, also on Instagram and TikTok at Clashbot. If you're in the business for a little extra clash as well, why not check out our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel? And while you're there, do please hit subscribe and help us grow the podcast. So, guess wise, well done to Kylo Ren 3, Paul, Camillo, Rich Cracknell, I am Grout, Danny Baker. <laughs> it's always funny. <laughs> I'm Grout. Danny Baker and oh. a bit of paper. Russell. Russell. Did I say Russell already? Yeah, fine. Get on with it. Uh, but congratulations to our winner this week. I think it might be her first win. And Leanne Cartwright, if it's not your first win, I apologise, but you are our champion this week. Your prize is a voucher for an all-you-can-eat dinner at the Bone Shack, where that delicious barbecue sauce may or may not contain the owner's blood as that secret ingredient. Connection section. Legs being amputated. I mean, both of these films share actors and characters. Hmm. There's loads. It's good. It's fine. If you just go do a list and then we'll talk about them as we go through because they're so interlinked. Yeah, Jungle Julia gets a mention in Planet Terror and is obviously in Death Proof. Earl McGraw is in both. Uh, Dr. Block uh, returns the mm. female Dr. Block. Yeah. Um, they're all under the umbrella of characters. In yeah. Life. Yep. Scratched up film. It's fine. We don't need Scratched to do it. Scratched up film. <laughs> Come on, let's get on with it. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, on Thursday... I'll be having margaritas and Mexican food at Guero's, so I'll be legless. Which means today, Chris is heading to the Bone Shack. Chris takes on a journey. Planet Terror is about some zombies and a go-go dancer who wants to be a stand-up comic and a chemical engineer who collects testicles and a psychotic lesbian anesthesiologist who loves Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas but is married to Thanos Brolin and a Bruce Willis character who killed Osama Bin Laden and a pair of crazy babysitter twins and Quentin Tarantino's bloody dick and you know what, I've got no idea what Planet Terror is about so let's get going so you can both explain it to me. (laughs) Kim, when did you first see... Planet Terror. Oh, well, I didn't see this when it came out of the cinema. Boo. Right, yes. That's like, like most people, though, well, isn't it? Yeah, I guess they, so. They didn't come out... In America, the two films came out together as Grindhouse. They didn't release them uh, initially here together. So I, I saw Death Proof. Planet Terror, I, I'm not sure that even came out where I was living uh, in the cinema. I had to wait till it came out on DVD to watch it. Or telly? Mm. Mm. Whatever. 
Um, but it was a couple of years later. Um, and um, when I finally watched it, it turned me vegetarian. Wow. <laughs> really? That is True that fact. is massive. Oh, my God. So you were a meat eater until this movie. Yeah. So that was about would have been about 2009, I expect I saw it. Um, so you really hate severed testicles? Well, what it was it? wasn't yeah. a testicle, but there's this... Th- and I'll tell you my Robert Rodriguez story. Um, but it was the moment that Fergie gets eaten by zombies mm-hmm. in the road. Uh-huh. And you're and- a massive Black Eyed Peas fan. That's it. it oh, where is I'm the done. love? Where's the love? Where is the love? <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, I'd, in, I'd remembered this sequence where, you know, she's getting her um, guts pulled out. But I remember- her, her lovely lady lumps. Then <laughs> <laughs> they are lovely lady lumps. Not anymore. <laughs> Not once they've been ripped to pieces. <laughs> Depends what you're looking for mm. in a lady lump. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd remembered this this part where they were gnawing on her limbs. They'd ripped them off. And I told Robert Rodriguez about this years later, only a few years ago, for, mm. um, when I interviewed him for Alita Battle Angel. Mm. And um, uh, he said, you know, I never shot that sequence. That sequence is not in the oh, film. Oh, wow. The, Just in your gnaw- head. Yeah. In so, your head. There you go. And so were you, were you this time, on this watch, were you waiting to see if you were right or Robert was right? Or had you already checked? I was. I was convinced I was <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd misremembered. No, she just sort of disappears, doesn't yeah. she? But yeah. but what I'd done, I think, is conflated the scene where um, uh, Rose McGowan loses her leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we, a lot of a lot of the films we talk about on this show, we haven't seen for a long time. And it's funny the tricks the brain plays on you where you think you've seen something mm-hmm. that you haven't. Yeah. I mean, this was this is almost a first watch for me. I'm going to be completely honest. I try to watch this uh, again, not the cinema, home viewing. And I must have got about 20 minutes in and I was just like, oh, this isn't for me. I don't mm. think I'd really been. I hadn't seen Death Proof either at that point. So I don't think it was it was necessarily the film, film was bad. I just I wasn't quite sure what it was trying to do. This grindhouse thing. I hadn't really worked out that it was paying homage to these movies from the 70s. So I was just watching it going, the fuck is this? Mm. This is I'm not enjoying this. This is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's boring. So I turned it off. As it turns out, I was wrong. And once you sort of understand what he's trying to do, this watch enjoyed it a lot more. Enjoyed it a lot more. Well, I have been to Austin about 30 times. And so when this was getting made, uh, my friends were telling me about it. I went out to Austin for a festival where they did some preview footage of it. And they had a contest for people to make fake trailers that were supposed to end up in the film. That didn't happen. I'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, so I was very invested in this movie. And then I did not see them separately. At some point they, uh, early on, they put on a screening of Grindhouse in London at the Curzon Soho. And so I went to that. So I saw the full Grindhouse package. Oh, wow. Um, but it, it wasn't a very good night for me, to be honest. What happened? I got my heart broken. Oh, my God. Yeah. This girl I really liked, I asked her, and then she said, oh, I'm already going. And so we got there, and I sat with her, and she she was with a guy. Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah, and then I, what are, my memory is that he didn't have any money, and I ended up buying him some drinks or something. <coughs> oh, my God. And then... Yeah, it was just a really depressing night. So anyway, That's horrible, what yeah. a horrible story. I'm laughing, but it is horrible. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. So, so my memories aren't brilliant of this, but also, well, I just, you did when you when you 
paid for his drinks, did you sort of pull out a big chunk of cash and sort of wave it around in front of her face, like, <laughs> look at what you're missing, baby? No, I was just sort of crying as I handed the drink to him. Enjoy it. In- enjoy it. Enjoy love. Um, so I, Are they still together? I don't know. Oh. I, I kind of lost touch with the lady. Right, right. Um, so, I, um, yeah, so it, was, it wasn't the best night, the best way to watch these films, but I do remember just sort of finding Planet Terror quite hard going. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'll say about that for now. So let's do some background. So, quick question. The versions you saw, were they shorter then than yeah. the versions you watched yeah. on this watch? Yeah, and okay. the versions I've watched this time, I think, are shorter because I've watched the Grindhouse uh, cut I've got on Blu-ray. Okay. So, But we'll figure it out. I know the differences. We, I, I think it's interesting to talk about what got left in and what got taken out. Mm. Um, so the idea for this uh, came from Tarantino and Rodriguez hanging out together at Tarantino's house and watching double bills and Tarantino would program trailers in between and, and Robert said, we should do this. We should make one of these. Do you think it's relaxing watching movies at Quentin Tarantino's house? I can't decide. I can't decide whether you're like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to let this oracle of movie knowledge just guide me through my night. Or he'd be quiet in your face. I, I don't know whether he... Resp- it, would he be like, hey, 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 come here. Come here. You want to you know something? These trailers. Stop. This trailer. And you're like, shut up, mate. Oh, just but let me watch. That's let me watch. true. Is he a respectful uh, audience member or will he, will he talk through it? Well, that's the thing because you've only ever met him. I, we've only ever met him when he's required to talk in interviews Mm. but I just don't you've got to imagine Quentin Tarantino respects film enough that when a film's on he doesn't say anything Mm. but I just can't imagine it (laughs) anything Quentin Tarantino is acceptable (laughs) I have to ask him that next time we interview him (laughs) do you talk during movies I would like to think he doesn't yeah he loves the medium too much but yeah. afterwards, you can't shut him up. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, these are movies that he's seen a lot, and I just can't... He'd be, he'd be there shaking, going, I just got to tell you this bit of information. Do you think he'd be pausing it a lot? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I do that, and yeah, I hate I do, myself. I, just, I do that. I do that. I'm feeling that thing with Barbie when they said that thing about the Godfather again. Mm. You, you've, seen, you've seen through me. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so this, so this scene, I think you'll find. <laughs> but my thing is, I do it in the worst possible way. When I'm watching a movie and I'm with someone and they start to talk, I'll pause, which is me going, oh, you want to talk? Because we are not doing both. Like, it's either the movie oh. and shut up, or you can talk, but I'm going to p- keep pausing it while you're talking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Georgina sort of... Caught, caught bits of these in the background while she was doing work while I was watching them and she just kept saying, fucking hell, how fucking hell, how fucking hell. <laughs> that was basically what I kept hearing from the other side of the room. Um, so, yeah, Robert said we should do one of these. Quentin said we've got to call it Grindhouse. Boom. Uh, the idea was born. So uh, Grindhouse movies, they were these titles that played, exploitation movies that played in these rundown cinemas uh, where the posters were often better than the films themselves <laughs> and the trailers were better than the films themselves. Um, so they decided to go in the horror direction because they could have done any kind of exploitation Grindhouse movie. Um, they, wanted, they did one horror and one terror is how Quentin describes it. So the horror is Robert's film because it couldn't happen and the terror is Quentin's because it could happen. Okay. I don't know if I would make that differentiation but that's what he did in the panel I watched. Mm. Um, and equally, they decided to shoot some fake trailers uh, for films 
um, that didn't exist. They thought that would be a fun thing to do, and they were going to shoot them themselves until they told their filmmaker friends about it, and Eli Roth and Rob Zombie and Edgar Wright started pitching ideas, mm. and they said, we'll get you to do it. Uh, and we're going to talk about those fake trailers at the end uh, of this uh, part of this episode. Mm. Um, so the films were intentionally damaged to make it look like they were the ex- exploitation films of the 70s, where there wouldn't be a lot of prints, and they would be transported from cinema to cinema and just get completely messed up. Yep. Do you like that? The, the, the fact that they've done that to these films? I do, and yeah. I believe they physically scratched the film. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, I, CGI. I think with Edgar's, he said he, he attached to the back of a car and drove it around a car park to, to, <laughs> to mess it up. But they, it's funny that everyone did, had different ways of messing up the, the, the prints. Yeah. yeah, although it flips halfway through Death Proof, doesn't it? Mm. It does, does yeah. it? Yeah. The second half of Death Proof, it goes from all scratched up right. to then crystal clear black and white to then crystal clear colour. I, the version I watched did as well, but I don't know if all versions are the yeah, same. Yeah, I don't think mine did. Oh, wow, this is interesting. I think they cleaned cleaned one up for for DVD. Okay, that's the one I saw. Mm. That's what I watched because that's interesting. Mm. 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 Uh, but it, as as um, you sort of alluded to, Kim, it it, it flopped on release. Uh, the Grindhouse film in America. Um, Quentin Tarantino told Empire, um, he sort of blamed the audience and blamed themselves. He said, I think me and Robert just felt that people had a little more of a concept of the history of double features and exploitation movies. They didn't at all. They had no idea what the fuck they were watching. It meant nothing to them, all right, to what we were doing. So that was a case of being a little too cool for school. Mm. And I'm sure there's an aspect, there's an element of truth to that. That's exactly what I was trying to say when I first watched it. I didn't know what they were trying to do and it just seemed balmy. Yeah. So it got split in foreign markets in the UK. Everyone got longer cuts of both movies. I don't know if they needed to be longer. Um, I was glad because, you know, knowing some of the bits that they put back in... mm. Thumbs up. Okay, well, we'll get into them. Um, and also, as Tarantino said, I think he's trying to stick up for them. I mean, it felt like a money grab to split them and, 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 and screen them separately abroad. Tarantino said he believed it was because Grindhouse double bills were not a tradition abroad. And therefore, it re- what they were saying really does make sense in terms of it not... Uh, not existing and so audiences not understanding. I wonder as well if it's quite a big commitment to watch two movies back to back at the cinema and I just don't know that that's an attractive prospect to audience goers when you sort of go cool we're going to go to the cinema for like three and a half hours to Mm. watch Planet Terror and Death Proof. I'd be like do you know what that's a long time. Quite a niche thing isn't it and I don't think that that was that was a thing in the mainstream anyway in this country so it made sense to split them, but um, yeah, money grab too, because three hours, mm. how many screenings can you fit into a day? Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Robert Rodriguez has put it down to the film being buried. So um, a trigger warning now, we're going to get into some talk about sexual assault. So just wanted to warn listeners, because this is some dark stuff, really. So um, Rose McGowan um, said that uh, Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted her. Uh, and Robert Rodriguez, soon after she made that announcement, and obviously a lot of women came forward uh, with similar stories, um, said that he knew about Harvey Weinstein's alleged sexual assault of Rose McGowan. Um, and that he and McGowan had sort of cooked up uh, the the Grindhouse, uh, the, the the Planet Terror character, as almost a way of getting back at Weinstein because Weinstein had put her on a blacklist. Um, he says, "I will never forget sitting with Rose at that party and instantly getting inspired to create a badass female action heroine who loses her leg and transforms into a superhero that rights wrongs, battles adversity, mows down rapists, and survives an apocalypse to lead the lost and weary into a land of hope." 
I'll admit it felt really good at the time to realise we could use our art form to help Rose right a serious wrong in both how he victimised her years earlier, but also what Harvey was doing to a wonderful actress by blacklisting her and keeping her from working with filmmakers that would have wanted to work with her. Um, he then, it's a very strange statement he makes where he then sort of talks about how it affected him adversely rather than how it affected her, saying that it, it, by doing this it cost him the success of the film, but also um, 16 years of his marriage because he got together with Rosemary Brown, his family and his sanity, and for years he grappled with whether or not he should have done it. So it's a strange statement that he put out, and then Rose McGowan sort of countered it, saying that she felt used by Robert Rodriguez in the making of this film. Um, Vanity Fair recounts passages from her, her memoir, Brave, saying, in one of the memoir's most gripping chapters, she recounts her affair with director Robert Rodriguez, a smooth-talking, sensitive-seeming guy who turned out to be a Svengali. McGowan, McGowan fell hard and fast, trusting Rodriguez enough to tell him about her experience. He proceeded to use the knowledge against her, she claims, as a tool for mind games, starting with a scene in which Tarantino, playing a character in his movie, attacks McGowan's character. In what McGowan interpreted as the ultimate act of cruelty... Uh, Rodriguez then sold the movie to my monster. Rodriguez, I'm just going to get through it all because Rodriguez disputes that, saying he did not sell the movie to Weinstein and his company. They had a first look anyway. She knew all about the fact that the Weinsteins were making the movie. And he said there was certainly ample time for Rose to decide not to be in a film funded by the Weinsteins and reject the movie and the script before shooting ever began. If she had a problem with making the movie for them, I would have understood. And that scene was in every draft of the script, he said. So... Yeah, it's he's blamed the media for this dispute that's been between them, but it sort of turned out very nasty, basically, how this has all worked out. Yeah. So, uh, but just bringing it back full circle, Rodriguez believes that Weinstein, because he couldn't stop him casting Rose McGowan, then refused to market the film, and therefore that's why it flopped. Okay. Good recount, Chris. Thanks yeah. for getting through that. Yeah. It's heavy. Mm. Yeah. Heavy. Okay, let's talk about the film, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I'm into that. Uh, oh, no, I've got a little bit more about the film. Sorry. Oh, no, tell us It more. threw me. It tell threw me. More. This is very quick. So, Robert Rodriguez had the idea for Planet Terror while shooting The Faculty. He thought zombie movies would return. He couldn't get it finished, the script. And then Shaun of the Dead happened. Dawn of the Dead happened, and he missed his moment. But he brought it back from the dead when he and Tarantino had the grindhouse idea. And just in terms of the directing, I think this is quite interesting. Uh, Marley Shelton, who's in both films, said, Rodriguez and Tarantino really co-directed, at least on Planet Terror. Quentin was on set a lot. He had notes and adjustments to our performances and he changed lines every once in a while. Of course, he always deferred to Robert on Planet Terror and vice versa for Death Proof, but it's really both of their brainchild. I'm not sure that's the case with uh, the vice versa element. I'm sure Quentin was there on Planet Terror, Mm. if that's what the statement is about, but certainly Robert Rodriguez himself says he had no input in Death Proof apart from the name. He credits himself with going, Quentin, you should call it Death Proof, but apart from that, he doesn't claim okay. any influence. So on another that. dispute. Alex Zane is calling Marley Jesus Shelton a liar. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. And I've got a quote from Vanity Fair here from Marley oh, Shelton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, good stuff. We're going right. to go through it then. Yes, Cherry Darling is dancing. Oh. What do we think of this as an opening to a film? She got some moves, although. It's not very polite to cry while you're doing a go go dance. No. I mean, people are paid. To see a go-go dance. It's a fun dance. It's a great dance. I mean, you know, maybe cry, 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 cry dance is a is a kink. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kim's always right. (laughs) (laughs) What I like about this opening is that it really puts the focus on her legs, you know, so it presages what's going to happen later. Yeah, Yeah, and we're seeing the fact that she could sort of hold them out straight for quite a long time as required. It's all these skills that are going to be important later. Mm. Uh, so that's Rose McGowan playing uh, Cherry Darling. Um, she 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 quits. She leaves that. She leaves the Go Go Club. She gets run over by trucks, and they're heading to a military base where we meet chemical engineer Abby, played by Naveen Andrews, uh, who's really into balls. <laughs> yes, he's got a judge our balls. I call it judge our pinks. Yeah, he's got a jar of balls and he desperately wants more balls for his jar and he seems actually heartbroken when his balls get spilled <laughs> over the tarmac. Yeah. He mm. doesn't want his face in them, though. He doesn't want his face in them, no. <laughs> no. He, he draws a line. So he loves balls, but he likes them more as a sort of a spectacle, almost like a piece of art. He, he doesn't want them in his face. Yeah. Mm. He's a bit of an anti-hero, really, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm never sure how to take this character. It's quite confusing where he's coming from. He's a chemical engineer who is trying to save the world, but he's also sold his the weapon that he's created um, to bad people or bad people have got hold of it or... Yeah, mm. so this was around the point when I was watching this the first time. Shortly after this, I'm like, the fuck is going on in this film? Because so much happens in about 10 seconds. Yes. He shoots some tanks, green gas goes into the yep. sky... I'm, I'm all right with that because some people are immediately mutated yeah. by this gas. But then the military are walking into it, yeah. into the gas. Bruce Willis is taking his mask off yeah. and his face starts to pulsate. I'm like, I don't know why, what's yeah. happening. But you know now. I do know now. Yeah, yeah. So so what you said is all correct. And the, and the gas is tiny amounts of this DC2, this biochemical agent, is stopping them from being infected. But they need a cure because they're going to run out. Yeah. Um. So, so they've, they've infected themselves on purpose. They became infected when they were killing Osama bin Laden. Right. Mm. Okay, because they weren't <laughs> meant to be there. No. That's what Bruce Willis says later yeah. on in yeah. his big speech. So they became infected. So the masks they wear have got a little tank with a minimal amount of DC2 in it. I think so, Which yes. is keeping... Well, it, they actually say it delays the right. transformation. Okay. So I suppose, yeah, at some point that, that the, the delay will will end and they will die. And it, are we, are we OK it. with this? Does this feel not a bit too confusing? Yes. I find this, I think my introduction alluded to the fact, I right. find this film a little bit confusing. OK. There's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot Maybe too on. much. Uh, OK, good. As long as we all feel like that, because I still enjoyed it and I enjoyed it a lot more this time. But sure. I think the first time I was like, this is just so scattershot. It's like all these disparate stories that are given like two minutes here, two minutes there. I'm like... I just don't. I think I didn't trust the movie enough to tie up all these ends. Mm. It does, though. Mm. Yeah, it does. It does. But I, it made me think that an, a, a, maybe a better clash for Planet Terror would have been Oppenheimer, though, because <laughs> Abby is a man who's created this weapon that might destroy the world, and he's now regretting it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and Oppenheimer famously collected balls <laughs> as well. So <laughs> he did. <laughs> uh, so the Bone Shack. Uh, lots of characters are introduced here. Tammy, played by Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas, um, her car breaks down uh jt played by jeff Farhi, he helps her he, he runs the bone shack he's a chef who, who's got a great recipe uh for ribs um el ray played by freddie 
Rodriguez shows up at the Bone Shack. He's kind of our sort of secondary hero behind um, Cherry Darling. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, he used to go out with Cherry, who's wearing his jacket. Um, and also, very quickly, we, we cut to meeting Dr. Dakota Block, played by Marley Shelton, and her husband, Dr. William Block, played by Josh Brolin. She's trying to leave him for another woman, who's Tammy, played by Fergie. Mm. So I thought you were going to say, when you said this movie made you vegetarian, I thought it was going to be the Bone Shack that did it, because it just it looks like somewhere you should never eat. Well, I, actually, I think it was the juxtaposition of the mm. zombie gore and and everything going on there, and mm. particularly that Fergie sequence, and then um, yeah, the, the bone shack, and the, the non-existent griminess. Fergie sequence, yeah, 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 that, <laughs> yeah, that, that one, one. Yeah. that one, yeah. and and there's there's actually there's a cut in, at one point in the film from the leg to the slicing of meat, yes, mm. and I just think something switched in my yeah. head. Was Rodriguez upset that you'd become a vegetarian? He didn't say no. either way. <laughs> Because he seems like a man who loves meat and, he, you know, barbecue's a big thing in Austin where he lives and I feel like, yeah, yeah you maybe yeah. you just offended him. I think I offended him because I'd imagined a sequence. <laughs> no, I think directors like that. I think directors like it when that happens, when a, a scene has so got to you. Like Tarantino, I think, loves the fact that people think they see the ear getting cut off in, in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah, don't, but, they don't, do they? But when you when you call it the best scene in his movie, that might <laughs> <laughs> the only good scene in your film. Wait, maybe that upset him. <laughs> um, we also meet. Uh, we cut to the hospital now, where Joe, played by Nicky Cat, shows up with a bite on his arm and running a temperature of 105. Uh, we see some pictures of chromic herpetic legions uh, that were caught in Iraq. Uh, it's basically just a spotty cock. Uh, not nice. It's gross. It was a chode. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Kim, yeah. uh, you're a big proponent of balls for boobs. I am. Uh, you believe that every time we see a pair of boobs on screen, we should see boobs and possibly a cock. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about getting this, Eiffel? Well, this is a, this is a classic case of showing boobs for titillation mm-hmm. and balls for humour or grossing do we, do, do we see boobs in this film? Uh, uh, yeah, we do briefly in the oh, yes. backstage. In yeah. I mean, uh, yes, oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, like... I didn't. <laughs> just different people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so wait, so the rule is... so. So, just so I understand the rule. So, boobs are for titillation and therefore balls have to be for titillation yes. as well. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. Uh, can balls be titillating? Asking yes. for a friend. Absolutely, they can. Right. And I think we, we have been, this, this is my argument, we've been programmed, all of us, to find balls disgusting. Okay, yeah. But if we hadn't been brainwashed into believing that, if they'd always been positioned uh, as these sexy things, uh-huh. we'd all think, oh, this, that's... This comes up a lot with Kim, and, and <laughs> I, I, I think she's, she's never seen a pair of balls she didn't like. <laughs> Great stuff! <laughs> That's good to know. That's good to know. Even Naveen Andrews' balls. Yeah. Not his actual No, balls, no. I'm sure they're nice as well, though. He's, he's a handsome man. I'm sure they are, but you're absolutely right. There's that whole sequence I remember from Red Dwarf. Like I almost know it ad verbatim, where they talk about the, 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 the penis and the balls being the last chicken in the shop look. Mm. Like the fact that they are unattractive. Mm. And I've always gone, yeah, yeah, they are. So it's just about repositioning the balls. Yeah. There were, there were Which tribes, I have to do a lot in these tight jeans. <laughs> there are tribes in the world that don't find um, boobs uh, the, the mm. sexy thing that we think think of them as. Mm. Uh, it's 
thighs, for example. I mm. feel sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when Kim and I worked together at Fandom, we really tried to get this going, didn't we? Balls we, yeah. for boobs. But yeah. you, who did you ask? That We got some good answers out of people. It was like we a stock did. question Kim would ask people. I remember definitely the director of Blockers I spoke to. Yes. About yeah. it, she was fully behind it. She retweeted yeah. me. And Blockers yeah. is a great film. Mm. It is very it good. Is. Yeah, yeah. That's the John Cena one. Yeah, uh, yes. yes. yeah, yeah. He yeah, plays yeah. the dad. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a few. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I remember offending a male director <laughs> who who was upset with me for the whole for the whole thing. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Chris Pine's distant penis. <laughs> His distant penis. Does have him and his penis fallen out? Do you mean distant emotionally or... <laughs> in Wait. the shot, in that Scottish... What was oh, that? The, oh, the Bruce. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 The, yeah. the Outlaw yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a Scottish director, David something or other. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you see his penis, but it's in the distance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's often the case with men when they're naked, they're shot like that or mm-hmm. or it's made fun of or right. whatever. Yeah. Okay. I'll put this to the audience. I'll, 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 I'll do a balls for boobs tweet and see what people think. <laughs> that's your poll this okay. week. That yeah. is my poll. Um, uh, so uh, we meet also Dakota's um, injections, needles. So mm. she has a pack of injections that she uses to inject people. She's an anesthesiologist, but she can also fire them from, like, an injector gun. Yeah. Yeah, and... Is she evil? I can't think. I don't know who she is. What's she up to? Well, the trouble is, we don't find out enough about their backstory, do we? No. Josh Brolin. He's and, obviously and he's obviously a wrong one. He yeah. seems like he's a wrong one. Yeah. But then I'm like, am I being led to believe that she's killing people mm. <laughs> with with her like third needle that she hits them with? But the th- the three needles thing is it, the only reason I can see it being there. Because obviously, in real life, you have one injection of anaesthetic, and that sure. does everything. Why have you got this sort of like smaller one than a bigger one? That's than what a big I mean. One? Is she not killing people? Well, I think it's because they want to do that uh, okay sort of slapstick gag where she gets injected with the first one, so she's not knocked out, but she can't use her hand. Mm. Yeah. So that's why we have limited number one syringe, right? Okay. Mm. Just for the hand gag, mm. right? Okay. Good. Mm. We're agreed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with it because you know there's not a lot that's realistic. No, sure. In the film, sure. I just I didn't know what 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 was going on. I didn't know if she was bad or not. I think she's meant to be good. Although okay. actually, she does basically kill her son. She gives him, <laughs> oh, no. but she's not trying to kill her son. And, yeah, and, and, and I mean, it's I responsible parenting. We're, get, we're getting there because there's right. there's more to that she's story. She's been abused though, hasn't she? I think so. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I, you, I think we're definitely on her side because Josh Brolin is evil incarnate in this movie, and he's so good at it. Yes, he's so good at being a bastard. He's Thanos Brolin. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah, <laughs> did it again. Um, so Fergie, um, we see her getting eaten. Uh, don't we, Kim? Mm. We do. We definitely <laughs> see that. Uh, um, the, the, the best scene in the film. <laughs> uh, the, the zombies attack um, El Rey and um, uh, what's her called? Cherry. And uh, she loses a leg. He grabs a shotgun and shoots a bunch of them. And she's now in hospital with a missing leg. And uh, Sheriff Haig appears, played by Michael Bean in the hospital. Oh. Happy to see Michael Bean. Of yes. course yes. I'm happy to see Michael Bean. Isn't he amazing? Yep. 
He yeah. doesn't like he doesn't like El Rey though, does he? He doesn't. No. And are we ever going to find out? No, no, no. <laughs> no, because we're going to use the hilarious missing real joke just to get round explaining exactly who El Rey is. It feels like we're in part three of a franchise, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> this film. Uh, Tammy's corpse shows up. Dakota gets upset. That's how her husband William uh, realizes that she was going to leave with uh, her ex. Uh, Dakota and so Tammy rather and so uh, he stabs her a bunch of times with needles uh, meaning her fingers no longer work mm. uh, Deputy Tolo shows up played by Tom Savini at the police station Great. his finger's been bitten clean off and his character's arc is he shoots people by accident <laughs> a lot <laughs> that's, 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 that's his role right good uh, Ray escapes from police custody and kills a bunch of zombies uh, Joe in the hospital is now a zombie with a saw. Uh, I do like this scene where he's trying to cut William mm. and it, it gets unplugged before he can kill him. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a Romero scene, yeah. uh, doesn't it? So instead of cutting him, he smears William's face with his own pus. <laughs> oh. I will say, I did actually, I did enjoy the gore content in Planet Terror. Mm. Like, I mean, it was getting visceral reactions from me on the yes. sofa. I was like, oh my God, oh, oh, fucking hell. It's great. It's I love that. It's incredible, is it? It's Greg Nicotero, Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, and lots, he's, he's worked a lot with Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez mm. through their career. KMB. Yeah. Um, geniuses. Yeah, and it's funny that it's not maybe people dying that's upsetting you. It's a bit of pus. Yeah. <laughs> really, though. I've for a long oh, time since that- I've had to turn away from the screen. And go, oh my god, is that pus gonna get in his mouth? (laughs) And on that disgusting note, we'll take a break. And we're back. So uh, Dakota jumps out of a window, but her fingers aren't working, so she breaks her hand in a car door handle. Mm. (laughs) Fine, fine, yeah, I like it, it's all right. Ray runs through the hospital, killing zombies acrobatically, and, and finds and rescues Cherry. Good. And you sometimes, well, you don't forget, but you sometimes forget, fuck it, that Robert Rodriguez is a brilliant action director as well, and it's sort of like, that that stuff is really well shot Absolutely with Ray. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, he gives Cherry a wooden leg, and they escape in a truck. Mm. And then we meet the crazy babysitter twins. I'm guessing Tarantino was on set this day because we start on their feet. Oh, for God's sake. Well, I guess we'll do more of that on Thursday. Shall we? Yeah, why not? Uh, Dakota gets home, though, picks up her boy Tony uh, once he's got his turtle and his spider and his scorpion. Uh, They leave, but the babysitter twins aren't happy and they start smashing the car up. So It's just such a weird scene. It's just... (laughs) You're sort of like, what is this movie not going to throw into the mix? Angry babysitter twins <laughs> who smash up a car. It's just like, what am I watching? Yeah, it, what, did, Were Grindhouse films all like this? Didn't maybe just have one plot rather than 12? <laughs> it feels like a bunch of films spliced together. I'm not complaining uh, yet. But um, we've also at this point met uh, her dad, Earl, played by Michael Parks, who plays this uh, Earl character in a lot of Tarantino films, doesn't he? Uh, Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn's first time we saw him, but he's yeah. obviously in the Kill Bill films as well, as is his son. Um, so, yeah, the sheriff makes everyone deputies, uh, and so there's a, they get into the bone shack, think JT's intestines are really sausages. That probably didn't help with your meat-eating. <laughs> yeah. No, none of this did. Such a grubby old restaurant with uh, lots of, yeah, blood and sausages. Ribs, weren't they, weren't they the ribs? Were they ribs yeah. on his stomach, yeah. not sausages? No, I thought, no, yeah, he pulls sausages. sausages. Oh, yeah, okay. he pulls sausages. Yeah. All right. It's Yeah, it's your intestines, like you pull out 
Yeah. Your intestines yes. are like sausages. And, and uh, Ray, El Ray eats a sausage. Yeah, I, no. No. I mean, on the most basic level, it is meat that has been sat out in a hot room for some time. Mm. So, like, mm. you just don't do that. And no. his T-shirt was filthy. Filthy. So I'm finding it hard doing this film because it's, and this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It's not a normal film. So sorry if it feels like I'm just going through a list. Uh, JT reveals a car and a motorbike. Uh, Ray wants to have sex with Cherry on JT's waterbed. Uh, there was an engagement ring in the jacket that she took. And so we get sort of this sexy scene. This is scene. the real bone shack. <laughs> Hell of a line. They start having sex and I quite like her wooden leg going up in the air. That's quite funny. But then we get the missing reel moment. So during editing, uh, they came up with the idea of inserting missing reels into the film. Um, Quentin was about to show an Italian crime movie with Oliver Reed, Rodriguez recalls, and he was saying, oh, it's got a missing reel in it, but it's really interesting because after the missing reel, you don't know if he slept with the girl or if he didn't because she says he did and he says that he didn't. It leaves you guessing and the movie still works with 20 minutes gone out of it. I thought, oh my God, that's what we've got to do. We've got to have a missing reel. I'm going to use it in a way where it actually says missing reel for 10 seconds and then when we come back, you're arriving in the third act. This is really interesting. The late second acts in movies are usually the most predictable, the most boring. That's where the good guy really turns out to be the bad guy and the bad guy is really good and the couple become friends. Suddenly, though, in the third act, all bets are off and it's a whole new story anyway. So, boom, he just got rid of what he thought was going to be a boring bit. Fine. Did you get this bit in your version that you watched? Did you get more here or did you get missing real? I got missing real. Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely got missing real. But you saw, I mean, I don't think there was any doubt that they had sex. There isn't. Right, no, there isn't. No, there definitely. Was... Her leg kicks up and they are having sex. But I think there's, there, there's a lot of stuff happens with uh, Dakota and her boy, I think, and the babysitter twins and people just getting it. They're suddenly in slightly different groups now yeah. than they were before the sex scene. And there's the whole bit where Michael Bean goes, I had no idea who you were, Ray. And mm. there's the reveal in the missing reel of why Ray is shit hot at stuff yeah. and why Michael Bean now goes, give him all the guns. Yes, because the next scene we have is is um, El Ray doing his gun tricks. Mm. That boy's got the devil in him. <laughs> uh, the zombies attack and pull Savini apart in a scene that's reminiscent, I think, of um, Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Uh, Ray shoots them all while Cherry makes a run for a truck. Uh, they pick everyone up. Cherry and Dakota on a big bike while Ray's on a tiny bike. <laughs> I don't need it. No, I don't. Too, need is it, it too broad for you, Alex? Yeah, a little bit. I just—he's uh, like you've gone from re- positioning Ray as like the the coolest guy in the movie, and he is, and then you put him on a tiny motorbike, and you just like he looks stupid. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, no, fair I enough. I want was, him on a chopper. I thought it was fine. You know, they needed another vehicle. She had that bike in the boot. It goes to naught to fifty in four seconds. Sure, I, he looked cool to me. Yeah. Or. Oh. Cut it all. I'll cut it all and just have them get in vehicles and we don't need a conversation about how who's going to sit in which car. A dog gets run over here. Oh, I don't. I can't stand it. Yep. Okay. It explodes, Chris. Mm. Why would you bring it up? Because um, I knew it would upset both of yeah. you. <laughs> you. Can you not tell from that silence that mm. it's, it's anger, really, more than upset? Mm. 
Um, you liked it, didn't you? you thought it was no, funny. no, no. Strays is in cinemas this week. We oh, like Strays, we didn't we? Strays. If you want a nice dog film, Great watch film. Strays. Great film. Um, so they're surrounded on a bridge. They've not got enough ammo. And then the army shoots everyone. Because Muldoon's there, played by Bruce Willis. I forgot to mention him at the start of this. <laughs> he was quite important at the beginning. Uh, he's back, and he's taking them back to a military base where Abby is. And Abby's here to explain the movie, <laughs> as the movie acknowledges, which I quite like. <laughs> so Project Terror was designed to take out an entire populace in a controlled area. And the soldiers are stealing the gas supply because they're infected and in constant inhalation of the gas delays their mutilation. They also learn that some of the population is immune, hinting at the possibility of a cure. So it's just lots of exposition here. that mm. I wouldn't understand all of that, I don't think, if I hadn't copied and pasted that from Wikipedia. Well done. Uh, so he needs to finish his antidote or every man, woman and child on the planet will be exposed. Hence planet terror. Um, so Quentin, he's not, not going to finish his antidote, though, is he? No, he's not. No, no. no. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's introduced here uh, as uh, a rapist. Um, Ray Liotta was going to play this character. This is who it was written for, uh, but he had a TV commitment. And at the table read, Tarantino did it, and Rodriguez enjoyed the fact he was sort of reminiscent of uh, his Richie character in From Dust Till Dawn. Okay, and so cast him in the role. Um, you know, we've talked about Quentin Tarantino's acting many times on this podcast. How are you feeling about him here? I, personally, I quite like him here okay. because of the nature of the film, because it's uh, an homage to these exploitation movies. Him good being point. not a great <laughs> actor, actually, I think he's he's really good in a horrible, horrible role. Yeah, he gives good creepy as well, mm. doesn't he? he? Does I thought it was really good. Uh, exactly what Alex said. Okay, fair enough. So better, there's better sorry. here than in Death Proof. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Mm. Yep, 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 agreed. Uh, so there's, there's, it's, it's that weird thing, isn't it? It's like when it's your movie, mm. when you've written and directed it, just don't put yourself in it. Here, you can reposition it. The optics on it are his mate Robert Rodriguez is making a movie. Well, oh, go on, Quentin, I'd like you to be in it. All right, fine, then I'll do it, I'll do it. And it's just better than being mm. writer, director, star. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so they do a jailbreak, thanks to some sharp shooting from El Rey. Uh, Ray and Abby go after Muldoon. This is when we learn that Muldoon was looking for Bin Laden, found him, uh, put two in his heart and one in his head, um, but wasn't supposed to be there, and that's when he got the face full of DC2. Um, and he thought that if they exposed the army, his soldiers, if they exposed an area big enough, the world would be forced to find a cure. Is that right? That's what I think is going on. News to me, but I'll take it. I that think makes that's sense. What the, yeah, that's what they're up to, so... So that's why they've released it into this town. Yeah. Because now it's got... The government will have to react and 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 fix it. Okay. I think. Cool. Uh, The film deteriorates as his skin deteriorates here, which is a really nice touch. And uh, Muldoon, Bruce Willis, turns into a big bubbly monster and they shoot him dead. I like the look of that big bubbly monster. (laughs) Good. Is that him underneath all that? Probably I don't know. He looked like Bill Murray to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's uh, It's got shades of sliver. Uh, it's not sliver, uh, slither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In it, where the big thing in the the barn in that. That's yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah, good one. Um, so we learn that Cherry's very pliable, although we had seen that, uh, and they're going to find some use for her useless talents. They also chat about reaching up when in doubt. They're really setting stuff up to pay off in about ten minutes, isn't it? It feels <laughs> it feels chucked in. Um, uh, Tarantino makes her dance on one leg. Um, she hits him with that leg, then stabs him in the eye. He says, "You gave me some wood. Now I'm going to give you some fucking wood." <laughs> 
fine. Um, and his penis starts perishing and flaking off. Um, did you like that? I liked it. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Does that count as balls for boobs? <laughs> no. No. No, not in a million years. <laughs> is it, wait, is it funny or titillating? <laughs> uh, I'm going mm, right. to not comment on that. Sure. Uh, Rodriguez wanted to have a thing moment, so he starts vomiting a creature that's a bit like the thing. And Dakota injects the soldiers from afar because her fingers are coming back. Uh, Ray attaches a machine gun to Cherry's leg and tells her, I need you to become who you're meant to be. Um, So, yeah. Oh, yes. So the machine gun leg thing wasn't in the script for quite a long time so basically Rodriguez had finished his script and then was talking to Quentin about how uh, he needed these these films always had a great image on the poster sometimes one that was in the film and he had no image and then eventually it just sort of came to him oh half, one of her legs is a machine gun and so that's where it came from so this film feels like it's all been written to get to this point but it wasn't <laughs> that was that sort of came in at the end yeah I mean, it is the iconic image. When you think Planet Terror, you see Rose McGowan yeah. with a machine gun for a leg. Yeah, so how they did, how they shot this stuff was she wore a green leg cast. So like a proper leg cast that you would wear when you've broken your leg, but it was green because it gave her the stiff movements that she needed when she was walking and running yeah. for the gun. So a bit impractical, but actually it, 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 worked, a, it worked a treat. Um, so she shoots Quentin Tarantino and a bunch more of the soldiers dead with her leg. And then they've got to get to the chopper. Um, she jumps on the back of Ray's bike and shoots everyone. It's mm. iconic. Mm. It's cool. It's very cool. Um, Abby gets his head blown off in quite comical fashion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. I think because he, he is evil. He is a bad one. I he mean, is. I, I, it's good that he dies. He is, but also he does feel like he might be our only hope for survival. Yes. That's <laughs> in fact, I think he's even said that. Do you yeah. know what it gave me shades of? The biochemist who accidentally shoots himself in World War Z when they uh, arrive at yeah. the military base and it's like he's our last hope. <laughs> Uh, the sheriff and JT, who are brothers, we discover they're slowly dying together in the military base. Uh, he finally shares his recipe. Oh, touching. Uh, tells him it all, and then he tells him he's got to take that to your grave because he's about to blow the base off, <laughs> up and, and both of them up. Uh, Cherry shoots into the floor, which makes her fly through the air over a wall, uh, and then on the floor spins and shoots them all in a circle uh, and uses her, her stretching skills to avoid a rocket and Paul Ray gets shot up saving her. Um, Earl shoots William dead. Yep. 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 Uh, never, li- never liked him. Yeah, he didn't mm. like his son-in-law. Nope. Uh, they take out some zombies with propellers. Good. Uh, Ray dies telling her she'll find a way, just as Dakota Beers appears telling her again to reach up, so that's paying off what was set up. She grabs the rope and flies away. Um, do we think, I think Dakota and Cherry might get together. I feel like they were having a connection. Yeah, there was a hint of that, wasn't there, I think. Yeah. Uh, But we don't see that. What we do see is them uh, cutting to survivors in a desert in front of a decimated city. Uh, This is a Mayan temple in uh, Mexico, in Tulum. Yeah, I've been. I've actually been to (laughs) that Mayan temple. Yeah, it's great fun. I I didn't go to that one. Because it's right on the coast, isn't it? Yeah, it's really Mine's good. are in the jungle I went to. Oh, no, mine was on the coast. It's yeah. lovely. Great really place good. to them, though. Mm. Alex and I had good holidays there. Yep. Not together. No. Not together. Together. No, no together. He, okay. doesn't, he, he doesn't. He doesn't like talking about it on air. I couldn't afford his place. <laughs> I looked at it. I looked at it. No. Mm. 
Um, so, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just basking in that. <laughs> um, so, uh, Cherry is now someone who finds the lost, the weary, and those with no hope, and she leads them to the land they've made for themselves by the sea. It's, it's where El Rey wanted to go. It's really tragic. Uh, a zombie runs at them, and she takes it out with a cannon leg now. Mm. And um, we realise she's had his baby girl. And, and, and we hear why? why because he never misses yeah. oh I don't know about yeah. that well. and uh, by a bit of narration uh, she says it's like you said it would be two against the world baby two against the world mm. so this is obviously set after the events of Death Proof and they make because obviously the world has ended and survivors living in this post-apocalyptic DC2 world mm. and also we get that moment on the radio earlier where it's in memory of Jungle Julia is mm-hmm. broadcast on the radio in the car when they're uh-huh. driving through town. Yeah. So this is set after Death Proof. Yeah. I like it. Well, and uh, in the hospital scene in Death Proof, which, yeah, which we'll talk about. No, of sure. course, yeah. yeah. So, Tony. Tony. Yeah. Tony. I forgot to even... We, we sort of yeah. mentioned it, but yeah, she... she, uh, she Dakota does, she gives does boy, tell him not to point the gun at himself. Yeah, so she, she doesn't tell him to kill himself. Tony shoots himself in the head. So um, I don't know if there is, <laughs> there is an alternate version of this. Uh, there is a post-credit scene where Tony, despite accidentally shooting himself in the head with a gun, is sitting on the beach at the survivor's base playing with his turtle, scorpion and tarantula. Mm. And in fact... Uh, Rodriguez, because that's his own son playing Tony. Mm. He shot a bunch of scenes where Tony isn't dead. It, all the way through. The reason that Dakota goes to the other plane is because the, lots of people are getting on that plane and she's worried there won't be a seat for Tony. So she's got Tony with her. Mm. So he's got alternate cuts for all this um, because he mentioned... Now, how did he put it here? Um... Rodriguez mentioned that this version is especially made for his son Rebel and has shown Rebel the film with the happy ending rather than the version where he is dead um, because he felt he also feels like the version with Tony's death turns it way too horrifying and that the film should just be a horror film and not that horrifying. Mm. So, yeah, there is another version of this where Tony survives. Prefer that? I mean, Dakota does try and pin it on her husband. She goes, look what you've done to our son. It's like, mm, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. He didn't give him the gun. No, you did. Yep. Okay, let's do the bits. Uh, what was your favourite scene, Kim? Oh well, it, you know we've talked we've talked about this scene. We've talked about all the scenes, but it was absolutely Quentin Tarantino gearing up to rape. <laughs> Kim, how Sherry? Kim. Classic Kim. <laughs> well, you know, and you know, and I know now. You said at the beginning the horrifying story behind that. It's, yes, it's. Uh, it's tinged it a little bit, yeah. but but I'm not wavering. It was a great sequence. I love Quentin Tarantino here. I love what happens to his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then she stabs him in the eye, you know, yeah. and he's like, fuck it, I don't need my gas. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, out. Yeah, uh, weirdly, it's exactly the same moment. Wow. And again, if I could just echo what Kim said, when you told the story at the start, I was like, fuck it, I oh, better come no. up with a different one. But it would be a lie. Like, Quint, that whole yeah. Quentin Tarantino moment, his performance, again, I think it really works in this movie. Wow. He is so despicable. Watching his dick rot off is brilliant. So, yeah, it is the Quentin Tarantino sequence, that whole little enclosed sequence. I think it's great. Well, I'm not going to pick that scene. <laughs> You've done I'm, your research beforehand, though, haven't you? I'm not sick. Um, I like Cherry flying through the air while shooting her leg rifle, then spinning on the spot to take zombies out. 
I thought the entire film had been designed to get to that scene, um, so it had to be that, and then found afterwards it wasn't. But um, still, I don't care. I feel like that's the money shot, um, so to speak. Alex, most valuable whatever. Again, based on what you said at the start, I feel almost reluctant to stick with this, but I think Rose McGowan is bloody brilliant in this. Sure, so no, I'm having the, Rose McGowan, even if it brings back horrible memories for her of being used by Robert Rodriguez, I think she's just excellent. And it's sort of been a while since I've seen her in anything, and I mm. sort of watched this and I was just reminded what a brilliant actress she is. Kim? Uh, it is Josh Brolin <laughs> for me. He's good. Um, he is great. And, you know, the, I've got a lot of issues with this with this film. Um and the things that I love about it are when it really leans into the horror. So that, that sequence, that scene with Quentin Tarantino uh, being a rapist uh, is quite horrifying. And Josh Brolin is the real villain in this for me. He's a horrible, horrible man. And I would like to have learned more about the backstory of their relationship and what an asshole he had been, what exactly he has done um, to Marley Shelton's character. Um, and, you know, he's he's... Go, when, when he gets the stuff in his face, oh, my God, the tongue boil, the first one. <laughs> when it goes on his glasses. And it goes, yeah, yeah and yeah. drips down to the corner of his mouth. And like you said, is it going to go in? Mm. Anyway, and so they were some of my favourite moments as well. So, yeah, roll him. Um, as I watched Grindhouse rather than Planet Terror on mm. its own, I, I watched them, so it's all in order on the Blu-ray with the trailers. I'm going to go for my Grindhouse most valuable person, if that's okay. Because I don't really have a Planet Terror one. Okay. So I am picking Jason Eisner. Okay. So I went to South by Southwest and I was at this event where they played the best fake trailers. A friend, a friend of mine, Ben, was out there with a trailer that he made, which was amazing. But clear, the clear obvious winner was Jason Eisner's Hobo with a Shotgun trailer. It was just brilliant. It was better than some of the fake trailers we're about to talk about in this film. And amazingly, Jason then went on and made Hobo with a Shotgun as a fantastic feature film starring Rutger Hauer. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, the idea was like, oh, if you won this contest, your fake trailer was going to be part of Grindhouse. But it felt like Robert Rodriguez wasn't aware of this. And lo and behold, his home, it didn't end up in Grindhouse, which I think is a really shit thing. Well, I've become confused then because I, you said, watch all the fake trailers for mm-hmm. Grindhouse. And I watched all the fake trailers. Yeah. And obviously I don't have this mystical Grindhouse DVD. Yeah, you yeah. have the Blu-ray. Yeah. So I went on YouTube. And there was a trailer on YouTube that said, this is a Grindhouse trailer, it's Hobo with a Shotgun. You're saying that's not part of the Grindhouse trailers? It's, it's not. It wasn't part of the film, basically. On so the, what on are the, the ones in the film? Just so I know. Uh, Thanksgiving, Don't, Machete and Werewolf Women of the SS. Right, OK. So the UK release of Grindhouse, they put it as an extra on the Blu-ray, but it's not part of the movie. And I just thought he was really short-changed because he did such a brilliant job. And, I, and actually, the resulting film he made is better than some of the films that were made off the back of this. Mm. OK. Oh, I love that film, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really good, Hobo with a Shotgun. Right. Check it out. Uh, and what would you change, Kim? Oh, what would I change? I'm not the biggest fan of comedy horror, and so I would take out a little bit of comedy is fine, you know. And there are some some films that do it really, really well, like uh, American Werewolf, um, like Return of the Living Dead. I love, but I think there's too much comedy in this. Take most of it out. Get rid of Jeff Fahey. I don't want JT's over the top com- comic character in it, and just dial it down a bit and dial up the horror. Interesting. Mine is. 
Uh, along those lines, I, I was alluding to it at the beginning, this film is way too busy. There's too many characters. There's too many storylines. There's too many locations. I would have cut out the blocks, although you guys would maybe disagree with me with that, and the hospital, have it all happen at the bone shack, the prison, and the military base. Uh, that's enough for this movie. I just think... We don't settle anywhere, and I, th- I just it, that's partly why it's so confusing. Uh, less characters, less storylines, less locations. I think you've got a better film, and and I come out. I, I just found I find my brain switching off about an hour into this because I'm just not not with it. Yeah, yeah. About the Jeff Vi thing, though. Do you not think one of the most touching moments in this film? Is that last like moment between Michael Bean Sheriff and Jeff? I, and that was that was about the only moment that I was like, oh, oh, uh, oh, emotion. Oh, I'm feeling something for uh, when he goes to take it to the grave and then he dies. I agree with you, and I like Jeff Farhi. Yeah. I like his performance and the character, but I don't think I want it in this film. I think it just um, it's too silly. The whole that whole stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yes, it is touching. Um, so. I'm just going to ask this question, obviously, because we're both dog owners. Surely the other changes don't <laughs> explode a dog under a truck tire, yeah, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's, Is that yours? Allow me to step in then. Yeah. yeah, don't explode a dog. It doesn't need... Sometimes you have to. You don't have to. And I, no. I fundamentally agree with you. There are moments where animals have to die for part of the story. Here it's just like it just leaps out of... JT's car and gets crushed. I'm like, that's that's just not necessary. I don't know if it's played for a laugh. I don't know if you're meant to feel something, but whatever it is, that needs to go. Just, also, just a dead dog. <laughs> I really think they shouldn't kill Tony. I think I want to see this version that Robert Rodriguez made for his son because I just it's I just the performance that uh, Marley um, oh, Shelton Shelton gives after her son has shot himself in the face. There doesn't seem to be any real reaction to the fact he's done it. It's like this kid shoots himself in the face mm. and then she just moves on. And I just think it's a really weird beat. She doesn't move this. on, does she? She carries him for a while. She does. Yeah. Oh, does dead, she? Dead son, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's it. Cool. All right. Before we go, though, uh, not doing a quiz, but I asked the, our guest and Alex to rank the Thanksgiving Don't Machete Werewolf Women of the SS fake trailers so we can see if we can figure out which one is the best. So mm. from four to one, Kim, would you say your ranking? Number four, Werewolf Women of the SS. <laughs> yep. Written and directed by Rob Zombie. Uh-huh. Um, questionable casting of Nick. Cage as Fu Manchu in this. I don't know why that's even in it, but... um, Different times. Different times, different times. I just thought it looked silly. (laughs) 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 And, and gratuitous tits. Uh Yeah. I mean, that was the idea, wasn't it, with those Nazi films? But the the thing is... (laughs) Some of which I've watched. When you're... It's kind of an easy excuse to put it in there, isn't it? Because, oh, yeah, well, that's what they did, so yep. we're going to do it. So, And that winds me up. All right, what's number three? Number three is Don't. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Don't. It looks like the kind of film I want to see. Um, and But the only reason it's... There's lots of stuff. It's, it's well, well edited, well directed, lots of stuff in there that makes me want to watch that film, and I think we might see it at some point. Edgar Wright might make it. Mm-hmm. But the other two I like better. So Machete is number two. Mm-hmm. Which turned into a film, and at the time when I first saw it, I thought this is the most obvious for a for a full length feature. And Thanksgiving is number one. Mm-hmm. I started watching that, thinking uh, this looks boring. There's um, 
you know, uniforms and boringness. And then you get that turkey on the table, the human turkey. Oh, my God. <laughs> stuffed with a baster in, I don't know if it was a man, it looked like a vagina, but I think it was a ball a, sack that was slit open. Oh, okay. And the, <laughs> and the, and the baster put Funny in Funny or titillating? Funny right. and titillating, Good. Alex. Good. And then, you know, the the killer, what he does with that. Uh, mm. yeah, that split the second at the end. The turkey, yeah. Bumming, bumming the turkey, yeah. <laughs> yes, I want to see this film. Uh, excellent choices. Uh, Alex, number uh, four. So, uh, at number four, I am going for Machete Kills. Um, I'll tell you my working out. I've seen Machete Kills, the movie that came off the back of this. I did not enjoy Machete Kills, and so, therefore, it's found its way to the bottom of this list. I didn't hate it, but of these four trailers, it's the one where I can go, I don't think the finished film was that good. Number three, don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it looks interesting, but like Kim, I thought the other two, well, slightly different, but the other two were more appealing to me. And so, at number two... Werewolf Women of the SS. Mm-hmm. It's got tits in it. It's got so many tits in it. No, uh, it's, I, I, I actually, I'm giving it a, a pass for the Nick Cage thing uh, because, yeah, it's questionable casting, but it is meant to be an homage to a period where that would have been the, the casting choice that was made. So Nick Cage playing Fu Manchu, that got a laugh from me when that pops up at the end of this trailer. It looks like a whole lot of fun and Udo Kier is in it, so... That's number two. But yeah, like him, <sighs> what fucking movie Thanksgiving is going to be. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so good. It's so exciting. It looks wonderful. I, you know, I'm sure you're going to tell us a bit about the, you know, the movie that it will eventually sure, become. Yeah, yeah. But the only disappointing thing is obviously, you know, you've got that shot in the Thanksgiving trailer of Michael Bean as the local sheriff. Yeah. Blood. God <laughs> Damn it! And he's not in the finished film. So that's slightly disappointing. But yeah, Thanksgiving. What a movie that's going to be, right, Chris? I think so. I think so. So my number four is Werewolf Women of the SS. I don't have a problem with the boobs. Mm. I don't have a problem with the cage because I think you could play it as a, as, a, as, a, as a joke, as a spoof of those films. I just don't think it's very good. Um, it's also, I mean, <clears throat> I, it, it was optimistic putting it at two because I quite like the trailer. I've yet to see a Rob Zombie movie that I enjoy, mm. so that doesn't bode that well mm. for it. But as a trailer, I like it. You must, you must like Rob Zombie movies. I do like Rob yeah. Zombie movies, yeah. Uh, and I also like the promise that... Uh, have you seen American Horror Story Asylum, that series? With no. the Chloe Sevigny mm. um, character, it felt like there could be something like that in Werewolf of yep. the SS, where she's ex- she was experimented on, and that was gross and mm. really effective. But this trailer didn't didn't package that up very well. And that is, in my humble opinion, the best American horror story series. Agreed. Number two, Asylum, is so good. And Jessica um, Lang, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. brilliant yeah. in it. That whole dance sequence, yeah, uh, well, the, the imaginary dance sequence, great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Chris. Uh, number three is uh, Machete. It's good. It's a really good fake tra- fake trailer. Um, uh, but uh, I can remember the first time I saw Don't, which is my number two, and that made me laugh. So much the first time I saw it, not it doesn't make me laugh now, but I just think it, it just it su- does such a good job of spoofing those Hammer horror films. And as I think 
Tarantino pointed out, like the, what he's doing there is quite clever, is that you never hear any of the actors speak in the trailer, which is what the American companies would do to fool audiences into thinking it was an American movie. So you've got American trailer voice guy and all these people. And yeah, so uh, I really love Don't. But yeah, my number one is Thanksgiving as well. <laughs> as well. Because again, I, I've, I've seen that trailer with audiences twice now. And the reaction it gets when the knife goes through the trampoline. Which oh, my God. I'm sure many people will find offensive. Sorry, I thought it was funny. Um, it just takes, takes the roof off the place because, you know, it's one of those where the audience knows what's coming before it happens on screen, but you can't believe it's going to happen. And then, boom, it's happened already. And you're like, oh, my God. And then, yes, to, to end with, um, I think it's Eli's face on the, on, the, on the turkey and then seeing that being buggered uh, is just a thing of beauty. And, yeah, and what's nice about that is I know a lot of people in the trailer because it's all the crew from Hostel yeah, playing little parts in it so I reckon you know the guy in the big turkey suit and then the guy with Michael B and they were all behind the scenes people and so yeah the Thanksgiving is being shot at the moment and I mean I've got no reason to think it won't be excellent Eli's really good at horror he's good at oh, humorous horror sorry comedy horror Kim but it can work but cabin, cabin Fever worked Hostel has some funny bits but yeah I just think you know it's time for a new slasher uh, my only worry is that the trailer, because the, didn't he have loads of problems with the uh, the MPAA? They were like, "What? What is this trailer? This is this yeah, is too much." And it, it, it nearly got Grindhouse and NC Seventeen rating, <laughs> which obviously the movie can't. You know, I don't know that the movie will live up to just how horrifying that trailer is when it becomes a feature length. It's like, like you just pointed out the, mm. that bit with the head at the end, which is a, just a flash. Mm. Yes. Are you going to be able to create that kind of moment of like? You know, mm. what did we just see in a film? Well, he had the idea when he was a kid, so he's had a lot of time to figure out how mm. to make this work. So mm. I hope it's good. I hope yeah. it's good. Mm-hmm. Lords of Salem. That's a Rob Zombie movie I do like. I watched that about a month ago. Yeah, that's one's all right. Ago. That one's all right. And and I guess The Devil's Rejects yeah. is sort of his yeah. most acclaimed film. Well, okay, I like yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses. That's the one I don't like. Oh, oh I don't I that couldn't one. deal with that. Mm. But he doesn't even like that anymore, does he? Does he's, he not? I, I think he's sort of gone now. That was a, that was a bit of a disaster. He's oh, certainly, well, a, he's certainly a Marmite filmmaker. And that's why we haven't done one of his yet, have we? No. I'm in no hurry. Right. That's we're done, Alex. Right. That's that then. That is... Is Planet Terror finished? Uh, shall we look ahead to next week's pairing yeah, uh, very yeah. quickly? Do you have a clue? I've got I do. A clue. Oh, All right. Do you want to do yours? Well, I'll just show you mine. You can tell me if yours is better. Just because okay. I, I did it, it took two minutes. It's written next to clue. Uh, yeah, uh, mine is that, but better. Okay, do yours. Yeah. So um, next week uh, we'll be we'll be enjoying a couple of subs with the films. Ooh. We'll be enjoying a couple of subs with the films. Yours is better. Mm. Yours is better. But similar. Yeah, it's more thoughtful to yours. No, I, um, I'm happy. But I will say this is just for fun, because we're recording this tomorrow, so we won't have time to get the answer. So you won't be reading out the winners, but oh. we'll, tell, we'll say on Twitter who's won. OK, good call. Good call. Uh, right, that is it for this episode. We are back on Thursday talking death proof and seeing which film will be victorious until then please subscribe on Apple Spotify wherever you get your pods follow us at Clashbot on Twitter Instagram and TikTok till Thursday have a great week bye bye Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 